Right, okay, this is uh, episode seven of Music and More, apparently. I can't believe we've got to number seven already. Uh, carrying on with the flow of guests, um, and this week we've got the first other member of the band on, which we're really excited about. We've got Stu on. Stu will be introducing himself in a second. Um, and yeah, so I just want to sort of carry on talking to different people who were involved right at the heart of this, do you know what I mean? And obviously Stu sort of being one-fourth of the band, it's really cool to have him on. I know Pete's really excited about it. He's got lots of questions, as usual, uh, you know, with his natural curiosity, all things the music. So yeah, Pete, how are you doing today? Doing well, doing well. Man, two members of the music in one podcast. This is going to be fun. <laughs> exactly, mate, exactly. So yeah, man, um... Stu, we're really pleased to have you on. Uh, as always, nice to talk to you. It's been a while with lockdown and everything. Well, it's last practice, won't it, since we've properly seen each other. But um, yeah, man, it's going to be good to have you on. And yeah, I don't know, Pete, if you just want to get us right into it with some questions. Or how do you want to start this? It's your call, my friend. Thanks, man. No, yeah. So, Stu, welcome to the podcast, my friend. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, yeah. Uh, wow. Uh, first thing I wanted to talk to you about is uh, <laughs> nothing to do with music, and that is okay. cars. <laughs> I saw on Twitter, I, I love I love old cars myself, uh, and I saw on Twitter a while back, there was a few classic cars that you had tweeted, and it, you said they were yours. And I was yeah. like, all right, I, I need to get a little background on this. I see a beautiful classic Bug, but then I see a, a Volkswagen van. Tell me a little bit about these cars. Uh, so I'll start with the van. Um, I bought that, um, it'll probably be about nine years ago now. It was a bit of a, I wouldn't say a wreck, but it was it was a runner. Um, and then it's just something I've kind of done up over the, from then till now, really. Uh, it's always been a passion of mine, really, all car, anything kind of vehicles, cars, vans, anything like that. But I've always had a, a bit of a, a bit of a soft spot for the classic vans and I've always wanted one. So I thought I'll just go buy one. And yeah, I've been, we've been inseparable ever since, really. Did you restore it or was it already mint? Uh, it's no, it was, it was a bit of a, a bit of a rolling project, shall we say. Um, but I, it, something like that, it's a, it's a constant project. I'm still, I'm doing things on it now. You know, I've got it not looking nice and shiny, and take, you know, taking all the as much rot out of it as I can, yeah. and then just trying to rebuild the engine as we speak. So it's there's always something. A labour of love, proper labour. Ab- absolutely. But the thing absolutely. with something like that is like you do it up that much, and like you polish it up, and you're like, do you, like for example, would you take it out when it's raining, or is it a fair weather vehicle? Oh. Um, <sighs> It's that, I'd rather not take it out when it rains. Yeah, um, well, that's because, what I mean. Yeah, because it'll gonna... just, it, it'll, rot, it'll rot itself to bits. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's just, um, yeah, but the thing is, I, t- I go camping with the kids and stuff and end up in fields and all sorts with it. So it's there It's there for enjoyment. If it gets a banger or a scratch, I'll just, it's a hobby. I'll just, I'll fix it and crack on. Oh man, it's, nice, good. it's nice. a good attitude, man. I like it. Well, yeah, we need to uh, share some more pictures of these on Twitter because they're gorgeous cars. You're in. You're doing cars as a profession these days. Something. To, I think you. What? What? What exactly are you doing these days? Um, I'm an auto detailer, but um, as of next week, I'll be changing um, occupations. But yeah, for the past five years, I've been at a dealership doing uh, auto detailing. Something that's big in America. I think it's. Uh, you know, that's. Yeah. And the Americans' passion when it comes to cars as well. But yeah, it's just so just basically just prepping cars, detailing cars for sale for a little dealership. So, yeah, I've been doing that five years, and but I've always kind of dipped into anything vehicle-related, really. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I love a beautiful, classic, extremely clean car myself, man. Yeah. And well, these sh- pictures look great. Stu will have some good stories as well about um, where we used to practice on Kirkstall Road. There were a chap there who had a business, and he had some fancy cars, didn't he, Stu, that you used to borrow? Yeah, good mate, Steve. He's um, he's when we first started recording at Soundworks. Yeah, this this there was always a really nice car parked outside. And I think the first one, I think it was a Ferrari three hundred and sixty F one in black. It was absolutely stunning. And I, I think I just it. got chatting. Oh no, I was it? No, it wasn't. No, it was an Aston Martin. The Ferrari came after. It was a blue Aston. I just got chatting to this guy. I think um, yeah, his office was above. And yeah, I got chatting to him and really got into. He was really into his cars and then just every car that he got seemed to just get better and better so it was like ferraris and a good good selection of porsches more astons all sorts of bits so it was just like that was a really kind of cool thing to, oh, we're going to rehearse oh, what's he going to be in today and yeah, you know yeah, what i mean yeah, but he, had, yeah. he had some beautiful stuff didn't you borrow didn't you borrow a couple didn't you take a couple out for a spin for a day uh i did what did i is let me borrow oh i took his um uh, which Ferrari? I'm sure uh, I saw you around Kip acting like his Ferrari or something like that. You will have done, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, for a it was actually it was just before a gig. He picked me up at one of the gigs in town in Leeds. But yeah, he picked me up outside the show. Uh, then just went took it for a spin and came back. But yeah, we were going to nice. Kip showing off and then uh, and then driving back in it. But yeah, that was that was a beautiful car. 
Nice. So you guys, uh, if I remember correctly, uh, you guys went to the same high school, right? You and Adam? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Brickshaw, Brickshaw High School. We went to same school right from the beginning, didn't we? We went to like. So, same... Yeah, to be honest, the first school that we went to, where we'll have met, must, must have been infant school. Yeah, I think so. Which is a long, long time ago. Yeah, man. Yeah. When my mum, when my mum was the dinner lady at the infant school. That's right. Yeah, I remember yeah, that well. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> Your mom with the T-shirt that says "My son is in the music." Uh, yes, that, that 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 lady. <laughs> yes, yes. So you guys uh, go to the same high school, and you guys start, you know, playing in this music room. This is this is the way I, I hear it on these stories. So I'm trying to visualize that. Is like, it, had you already been playing the bass when you started going to high school, or is it something that you decided to pick up when you were there? Um, something we just picked up. We used to the the only kind of lessons at school i really really enjoyed was art and music and obviously going doing a lesson in music it's not it's not exactly the music that you kind of listen to you know what i mean because when i was young i was into a lot of aggressive music shall we say and still am but um yeah yeah. so we we just used to take that kind well i say that into um into the music block at dinner time or lunchtime. As soon as lunch bell went, we were straight down to the music block and playing playing anything really. Just any when we first went in, I'm sure I picked up a guitar, but my fingers are far too short and, and rounded and fat for a guitar. I just couldn't <laughs> same, I couldn't <laughs> I just couldn't get a hold of it. So then there was this massive bit of lump of wood shoved in a corner. And I think if I'm right and think it had three strings on it. it and did. I think all the way through school it always had, it had three, three strings, strings on it. On, it did. It did. Yeah and um uh, I I asked so many times, can I get some new bass strings? Oh yeah, of course, yeah. Never happened. But um, but yeah, so we just went and just thrashed out anything and everything in in breaks and lunchtime. Well, you know, whilst people were playing football and stuff, we were just playing music. That's it. I mean, that's exactly what I would say, really. I mean, where most kids, when dinner bell goes, straight out playing football, we were pretty much straight down the music block. Um, and Rob would be down there as well, sort of on, on drums as well. There'd be all kinds of people were involved in them sort of jams, but that certainly we were much more interested in going and playing music than obviously playing football. But yeah, I mean, football is actually Stu's pet hate because whenever we talk about football in the band, Stu just glazes over, don't you, Stu? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think like, it's not that I don't like it. I just... Yeah, I just can't get into it as much as I really wanna. I mean, like it it has monopolized a lot of like band conversations in the past, and you know what I mean. Certainly, you know, like there's one that's liking football, and then they sat there for three hours having bants about it. Do you know what I mean? But (laughs) are you referring to soccer or football? Oh dear, yes, we're referring to soccer. Football, as in soccer. Yeah, yeah, soccer. Sorry, we got we forgot that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So you were saying that your musical tastes were, you know, different. Like, what what were some of the big groups that you really liked? Um, well, from a, as a kid, I mean, my the uh, same as Adams, really, my household was very musical, and the the bands that were kind of more prominent were definitely Led Zeppelin, oh, yeah. Sabbath, uh, oh, who else, Nirvana, yeah. um, just all just kind of the more kind of oh, Iron Maiden, Guns N' Roses, Guns N Roses. You know, kind of heavier, yeah. more mm, yeah. you know, rock and metal kind of side of things. Yeah, I love me some Zeppelin and some Nirvana for sure. And yeah, from ba- I think I think one of my favorite bass lines is actually from Zeppelin. Like, uh, what's that one song? Trampled underfoot. Is it ramble ramble on? Ramble. Oh, ramble on. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah ramble yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, that's got a killer bass line. But yeah, I mean, yeah. as I said in influences, that was a that was a beauty really. Is that um, you know that that's not really stuff that was playing in my house. Do you know what I mean? So that was the beauty of Stu bringing that element in the same way that Phil sort of brought a more dancey element, which we will talk about with Phil as well. But yeah, certainly Stu. That's you know that sort of Nirvana. That that sort of aggressiveness definitely Stu brought. I felt. Yeah. But I remember actually when remember when you came on holiday with me and my parents. Scotland. And we went yeah, and went to Scotland. Yeah. And I'm sure before that I was trying to get you to some let to some Led Zeppelin. I said, Well, my dad will be playing it in the car. I'll get him to pound it out for you. And I'm probably that's probably the first time you heard Zeppelin properly. It will, it, it will have been. It will have been definitely because whilst my parents had a sort of eclectic musical taste, it didn't. You know, my mum was sort of Elton John obsessed, properly Elton John obsessed, and my dad Fleetwood Mac obsessed. So it was, you know, what I mean, that side of things never really. I never really heard stuff like that. And even when sort of going a little bit further as well, Stu introduced me to stuff. Well, all sorts of stuff really. Stuff like I'm trying to remember them all now. Stuff like certainly stuff like Incubus. You know, like early Incubus and stuff like that. Um, I had another well, like you know, Queens at Stone Age, um, Queens, yeah. all sort, all sort of well, well, like Nirvana as well. I think when we were that age, when we were really young, again. yeah, I would, I would have said so, definitely. Yeah, yeah, without doubt, man. Yeah, sounds like Stu and I have very similar musical tastes. 
I think you do actually, from my experience of you as well, Pete. Yeah, I mean, you're a massive Foo Fighters fan, and um, well, yeah. I mean, everyone loves that first Foo Fighters album, especially, don't they? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that is this, that's a brilliant album. But on the second one as well, um, Color and the Shape, that's another one. Oh, it's yeah, just, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah it's, that's a super. I remember going and buying all uh, Everlong single yeah. for that. It was just like, that's just like, wow, you know, what mm. a, what an album that is. I think I remember you saying something, Pete, something about, um, oh, what was the song that you went to go see live and wanted them to go play? You oh, wanted to play when you were. What's it called now? Oh, was it a? Was it enough space? Yeah, it was enough. That's space. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's just a great that bass line. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is just that is a that's a you know and a, and a great sound as well. And you know, just the, the whole album is just an absolute eclectic mix that, that of was... great songwriting and aggression and you know. That was yeah, such a claim to fame, man. Front row, Foo Fighters. And he says, yeah. who do you, who, what do you want to hear? And I say, enough space. And he plays it. And my friends are right there. And they all just looked at me like I was, <laughs> I felt like I was, I'm king of the world at this moment. <laughs> well, I, I felt like that very similar, actually, when um, we played um, Top of the Pops for the first time. Oh, yeah. The Foo Fighters were playing their, their third album. Um, and we were, we were on the stage opposite them. Oof. And we were just sat off through fires of coming. So we were sat on the stage. And obviously Dave Grohl for me in Nirvana. And it's just like a god for me. Um, mm. So he, they kind of walk in, walk up to the stage and kind of look around, make sure everything's all right. And I was kind of sat on the stage with my legs crossed. And then Dave Grohl just looks straight at me, walks up to me, puts his hand out and goes, I am Dave. And I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, I know you are. Nice to meet you. It was, it was insane. That was, a, that was a moment I'll always remember. Heck yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, where else would we play with them? Um, was it Big Day uh, Out? That was, yeah, Big Day Out 2003. That was another great song. Oh, that, was that, that was the best Big Day Out as well. Was it the, was that that the first one? That was the one as well. Was that the first one? First one we did, yeah. Um, Jane's Addiction and Foo Fighters headlining. That's right. It's yeah. like the joint headliners. And they had Queens of the Stone Age and oh, who else were on that tour? Was the Slip, Vines. Was, was Slipknot or was that the year after? Was that 2005? That was 2005. Was it? That was the more heavier year, was that one? Yeah, man. Yeah. No, I mean, they were really, really fun guys to hang out with. You know what I mean? Really, really down to earth. And like I said, we, you know, we sat in the bar quite a few times having drinks with them and sat, sat on stage behind the ramps and stuff and. Dave yeah, giving yeah. a shout outs and st- you know what I mean really cool people well I think you guys had the same effect that you had on some of the people that saw you in concert for the first time but never you know and then had this new appreciation for you it sounds like the same thing was happening with the people that you were playing with like other bands you know like you mentioned the gentleman from REM coming over mm-hmm. and other folks yeah I, I I can imagine like you know if I'm a band I'm in a band and I'm touring in this group that I never heard of from England and these 18 year old kids come up and yeah. just start producing this sound that is just so huge yeah i would be like yeah i need to go meet these kids yeah man definitely i mean you know tom morello on the, the lollapalooza tour he was sat sort of behind damps watching us and stuff do you know what i mean all kinds no, of all kinds crazy. of people i mean yeah like our musical heroes i mean i think rage were well i think rage were a really big band um maybe not so much for rob but certainly for us other three i think rage were a really big band and that first oh, yeah. album oh yeah love me some rage so Stu, real quick best bass player of all time oh man oh that i think that's an un, it's tough because like it's like when you go into a record shop expecting to buy a record you don't there's that much choice of such great things to yeah. buy isn't it so it's like it's hard to it's hard to always pick one like i could say what well, i could say like les claypool today and tomorrow it'll be like rage against the machine it'll be a tim comerford you know what i mean it's oh, it's yeah. it just changes but i don't know i mean so i suppose for me it's any bass player that's got an original sound yeah yeah is something I'm really into. I mean, it's like every like I'll, I'll, Les Claypool is a bit of an example. He's, I, I never, as soon as I, when I first heard him, I've never heard anyone even, even come close to him. His style where he slaps and he taps and he uses the tremolo, yeah. and it's just, it's insane. And I mean, I don't know, you know, I think Primes is a bit of an uncool band. Um, but I just, some of, some of the stuff's just, it's, it's just out there, man, isn't it? It's just his style is just so different yeah i mean yeah. certainly whatever you think about primus if you know certainly as a musician you watch him and you're just like wow he's certainly incredibly innovative and incredibly musical do you know what i mean in like often a really industrial way which i thought was always really cool about primus they got some mad sounds man but do you know what i mean that's the sort of like stuff you'd like to find in it those little different things like that yeah, I mean, yeah, a lot of my stuff I listen to people look at me and go, what, what the hell are you listening to? What is that? And it's like, <laughs> oh, that happens a lot. Um, I think Tim, yeah, I think Tim, like Tim some... used to be like that, didn't he, with you a little bit? But I mean, Tim's like that with everyone's musical taste. Oh, yeah, absolutely, you know. But I think, yeah, um, but another example, I mean, when I, we, we first kind of were going into the recording studio to do the album and, and 
I was just kind of the, the sound I wanted to kind of not replicate but get close to was like flea. I thought the sound that flea had was yeah. just the best of every kind of you know area I wanted to go in really. And you know that's one of the reasons why I bought a mute. You know, I've got the Music Man bass because I want that's something you know the kind of not just the feel of it because the feel for that bass Sterling for me is absolutely perfect. But yeah, the sound was was just there as well, and I could take it in any direction I really wanted to, either aggressive, funky, or just really wooden you know it just, it seemed to kind of match everything i wanted to do can you remember when you sort of became aware of flea if you know what i mean when you sort of first were like wow do you know what i mean not only hearing that music but hearing his bass playing was that sort of a conscious thing or is it did, was that something that happened over time you, were the chili peppers something that your parents brought as well or was that more you that was more me. Um, I can't remember when I first heard the Chili Peppers, but I remember going to Leeds 99. And the reason I went is to see Silverchair, one of my other favourite bands. Oh, yeah. But the Chili Peppers were there as well. For, I think it was Californication. So, yeah, 99, it'll be about that time. So, I, again, an album that really grabbed me at the time. Mm, and I went, yeah. we went to go see them. And that's the, I got right to the front, pretty much, maybe two or three rows back. And all that happened is it, this, you know, it all went dark. And then a big cheer. And then Flea came on and just did this massive solo. And I was just like, yeah, I want to do that. You know, yeah. <laughs> that was just, it proper just like, I didn't really, I, I couldn't believe that this noise was coming out of one instrument on there. It was just mm. so massive. And I was just like, yeah, I, I, I want to, I want a little slice of that at least. I mean, that, that that's really cool. I mean, that was sort of my thing as well. I had a couple like Fleetwood Mac, the dance, the, you know, the actual visual gig, the DVD of it. That, that amazed me as a guitar player, but I sort of, going into guitar but also was it the Verve um at Hague Hall I'm sure like that massive gig they did and uh, Nick McCabe were playing that gold top that Gibson gold top that Les Paul and I think that was the moment that sort of made me want to pick up a Les Paul do you know what I mean so I just think those those moments are interesting you know where you can if you, if you can really pinpoint where a certain influence happened yeah, bass to me obviously is the most underrated instrument in in rock because it's like it's so essential. Yeah, I mean, like I, I love a lead guitar; everybody does, you know. But without a bass line, that's you know, sometimes the bass line is supporting, like it underlays mm-hmm. the guitar and it sounds really great. But then other times, it almost seems like uh, in a positive way, like competitive. It's almost like two different mm-hmm. types of guitars are playing at the same time, and it's such a cool sound. Like I, I kind of get that with you guys when when some of the songs like Fire, you know, it just seems like such a I don't know, it, it just seems like such a aggressively sounding bass that just m- enhances the song so much. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think it's sometimes, you know, we're just trying to play be as, <laughs> as loud as each other and just sometimes you need to play when we're, you know, in the, um, it, you know, jamming or whatever. It's like Adam's guitar is so massive in, you know, in sound and volume. And then it's, oh, well, I've just got to, you know, I'll just have to tweet mine a bit and just to try and, you know, compete with him a little bit. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, to be is fair that, as well. Is that like, how we ended just, up so loud? <laughs> Potentially, yeah. It, it, yeah. And then obviously <laughs> Phil absolutely hammering his drums as well. So yeah, it just it was just a natural we're just a natural lab band, I suppose. Right? But uh, but yeah, I mean suppose um like a lot of the bass players I like, I suppose the one thing they've got in common is they're quite they are quite aggressive in style, they're quite simple but aggressive in style. Mm. Um and one an example, uh Jean Jacques Burnell, I think he was another one that because my mum and dad are really into the Stranglers. Oh, yeah. And um yeah, he was like his sound is like it's so unique. Mm-hmm. You know, you could you could tell it's 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 John Jack Bennell. You know, you can just you can put that sound to that person straight away. So yeah, I've always liked that kind of that aggressive sound anyway. Well, I think I mean you know a, a lot of the bass players you like have a very unique style and like you say, a sort of instantly recognisable. I think that's perfectly true of yourself as well because as Pete says, a lot of times bass can feel like an accompaniment, and you know a lot of the time people won't even sort of be aware of it a lot of the time you know, when it is used as an accompanying thing. But that's never. Happened. How you play do you know what i mean you almost play bass like it were a lead guitar in a, in a lot of instances and you've got so much more character than um mm-hmm. what i'd call an, a sort of your typical anonymous bass player do you know what i mean you, you're you don't fit that mold you've got much more character you know we, we did have like a competitive thing not in a bad way but that's how stuff like i don't know like freedom fighters happens do you know what i mean because another thing with Stu, it's not only it's not only sort of the notes he's selecting and when to use the notes it's the rhythm and like you say pete fire in particular and that's one i when anyone ever sort of talk talks about Stu's bass playing i always think of fire do you know what i mean just sort of just how it rolls really it just like it rolls over you that bass line and especially when what i'm doing is so static on fire because you know all i'm doing is two notes pretty much and then yeah. sort of we watch Stu adds to it and especially on the chorus you know it's just it's awesome musicianship but i think as well i mean a lot of people say i'm guilty of this but you're guilty of it as well in that you don't really realize how unique you are if you know what i mean 
absolutely. I, I don't see my... Weird to say, I don't really see myself as a, a good bass player. You know, I don't see myself as a technical bass player. I just... I just pick it up and just play it. It's, yeah. I don't know. It's hard to, it's hard to describe. Yeah, I just, I don't. It just, anything. It just happens, you know. What I mean, I just pick yeah. this this thing up and it just, it just happens. But that that perfect, yeah. that perfectly encapsulates us as a whole, though. It really does because, yeah. I, I, you know, me and Stu came out of the same place, effectively and musically too. Uh, we were learning at the same time. So yeah, it's almost like that. Nat, you you go into a situation like that with natural ability that you don't know you've got. And you kind of bring each other on, you know. If if me if I was stood there doing something, well, you know, running a mill, and if Phil was doing something running a mill, who's to know how your bass playing would have been shaped, Stu? Do you know what I mean? But like you say, yeah. because I were pushing things like I was, and then Phil's making the noises he's making with bringing that dance element, it's almost like we sort of came, you know, grew from the same petri dish do you know what i mean like just such an organic process and i think when that happens you have you have no outside context on it absolutely none and you almost feel like you cheat well i I always used to it feels like you're cheating life almost do you know what i mean like we're just doing this stuff that we did above pub and made you know we had a laugh with and there's people going oh my god it's amazing and you're like really like it's really easy do you know what i mean yeah Yeah, and i've said yeah i I couldn't couldn't agree more it was just it, it just kind of Again, like you say, my bass lines kind of roll, you know, and the rhythm rolls. I think we we just kind of rolled through it as well. It was just mm-hmm. like, it was, yeah, it was just, it was so easy. Yeah, you, you and Phil. It's hard, it's hard to describe to people, isn't it? It's, just, it's, 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 really, it's really hard to describe to people. And it, um, well, it's almost impossible. It's almost impossible to describe to people. But you and Phil sort of would end up in such a, like you were so locked together. And it, what was fascinating for me as well were the recent, well, the one rehearsal we did recently. That, you know, that doesn't seem to have gone anywhere that, like, I don't know, the synchronicity between you two is insane. And that's always been obvious, but, you know, like I used to love, especially on first album when, you know, because obviously when we do takes, I mean, we'll get into that when we talk about making the albums properly, but effectively, Stu and Phil would do takes. we do stuff with them, but then we'd overdub our stuff properly. But what when we do takes, they were really capturing the bass and drums together. So I used to love sitting in control room and just listening to them to just be proper locked in. Do you know what I mean? And you sit there, try sometimes you try and comp a bit of, you know, like, right, we'll take the, the grooviest bit out of this, you know, and we'll chop it up. And you sit there and you're like, well, you know, the entire thing is absolutely metronomic perfect. And, and even when it drifts, it drifts together. Do you know what I mean? So you have that, that sort of natural... Um, that not natural sway in the rhythm anyway. I, you know, I always thought that was really cool about you and Phil anyway, but I'm ranting now. <laughs> well, no, that's what you're saying about drift, I think, is powerful. I, I really think that if any of you guys were classically trained, it probably wouldn't have worked because you guys are all so natural in how you learned and it was an organic process and you guys just sort of melded together. Like, it, it, disco is a perfect example. Like, mm-hmm. the beginning of disco is... Mm-hmm. <laughs> the. Uh, following that that beat is like almost impossible and then it's just like it slows but then eventually it gets faster and it's just like this it's just such a great song i can't imagine somebody that was classically trained that mm. would see that on paper they'd probably pull their hair yeah out. i mean like <laughs> Stu, seriously thinking who do you think was responsible for it speeding up and doing what it did i, I mean I, I can't remember I, well i know that no one said anything None of us ever said anything, but like, you know, how d- without talking, how does a, a decision like that get made? That's what I find really fascinating. And it, it, it would probably fill just being mischievous, thinking, well, let's just do something totally different. But, you know, like, I just find that really interesting how you can spend that much time with each other and play with each other and be that musically intuitive with each other. That you can make a bit of music like that all for you and never once talk about, like, so that bit, it's going to kick into this and that bit. I don't know. It would it was like we used to talk with music, if you know what I mean, like sort of communicate like that, literally. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I an example of that is like no danger. You know, that's just like one epic piece of music, you know. And it's just that. Yeah, again, it just it just seemed to flow and whatever felt natural. You did. I mean, it's because we I, I seem to keep things. Well, I seem to keep things quite simple anyway. So it's quite easy just to kind of well just change that rhythm a bit, and then oh that all you know make so-and-so change or think about that. And then all Phil needs to do is literally, yeah, just, just add an extra kick or just slow down. Alex, I'll speed up, you know, for whatever reason. Mm. And it just takes everyone in a completely different direction. Yeah. I but yeah, but like Adam was saying, you don't, 
none of this was spoken about. It just kind of happens. You just kind of look at each other and go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Correct. So, you know, and then just, just carry on and just go in a different direction or avenue or whatever. And yeah, it just naturally happens. Yeah. I mean, I, I suppose back in the really early days when we were doing stuff like disco, I mean, you know, if we're being totally frank and brutal about it, you know, we'd go down there and, you know, there would be a lot of parsley consumption, but we'd go in there and we'd jam and then we wouldn't talk. We'd come out and we'd sit and we'd, you know, we'd smoke a joint. And then we'd maybe play FIFA for a bit or whatever, ISS back in them days. And then we'd go back in and sort of just play it. A lot of the time, not even say what should we play now. You know, someone would just go into it and we'd play it again. And then it'd get played again. And then it'd get played again. So I know this word comes up so much with us, the word organic, but that's just another prime example of it. If you, you know, if you play through something enough times and it develops and stuff happens and you get, you get those moments of like genuine excitement and magic that I think we really captured, especially on that first album. I mean, you know, we had them on all the albums, but especially that first album, there was some, some real um, moments of magic that came over just playing those songs a lot. Do you know what I mean? While we were writing them. Yeah, definitely. I think as well, it's, I don't, I, did you ever have a guitar lesson? I had one. I had one and decided, no, I don't like that. I think that's the same. <laughs> I mean, I had, I had one and thought this this guy at school came in and, yeah, it just wasn't right. So, yeah, so me and you basically taught ourselves. Self-taught, yeah. You know what I mean? So there's nothing more organic than that. Mm-hmm. And then obviously rolling in from, from school and going straight into music, there's no kind of like industry crap that we've had, you know, yeah. or, you know, so it's just, yeah, just natural roll into that. And I think that's how a lot of the magical moments were created because it just from nothing it was just completely raw and natural yeah exactly i couldn't agree more certainly so bright young things happens you guys win right celebrate yay get a trophy mm-hmm. uh but but more importantly tim says let's do things and you guys know this is now going to happen you guys are going to be a band how did that change the rest of your high school days were you like oh by the way i'm in a band <laughs> or um change it all i'm trying to think now yeah so we we're in the last year of school, weren't when we first started? Yeah, we were. Or were we joining? And we were in the last year of school, um, so we'll have all still been at. Are we all still still at school for bright. Yeah, of course we were, because we were just sixteen for bright young things. Yeah, of course it was. Yeah, so yeah, of course. Yeah, I yeah. Love, I, I think was I in lower sixth? Oh, I can't remember. I don't know if you. Well, I think we must have been in. Well, I, I went to sixth form as well, but I literally did. Oh, you did, yeah. Yeah, I did one year. Um, I think I did leisure and tourism for no particular reason, uh, just because I didn't know what I wanted to do with life. So I just, oh, I'll just, I'll just try and get a bit more education because you were doing the two years, and Tim was really good at, um, you know, get your education behind you, mm-hmm. and then you know we'll yeah. we'll start moving forward with things because it's nice to have a bit of bit of insurance, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, but then I, what did I do? Yeah, but I went to go and do business studies on the second year. And that was another two-year course, mm. and it wouldn't have worked anyway. But I, it, I just didn't enjoy it, so I kind of dropped out of there and went to work. And then, yeah, it's kind of. Did you did, <laughs> did you drop Did you drop out Did you drop out before the band stuff happened, or sort of after the band stuff happened? Uh, it was after. Right, right, right. Yeah, it yeah. was after because, like, yeah, because it was like I think it kind of started going when obviously we were all joining sixth form yeah so it was basically get that two years done and then yeah so i kind of did like i said i did, I did a, a, a lesson tourism for a year uh and then wanted to do business studies for two years but it just i didn't just like i just didn't like yeah, it so yeah, it, yeah, it worked yeah. out quite well because i went and did a job for like 12 months or so you know 11 months or something and then just rolled straight into the band after that so it worked out quite well really did you hear tim's comment on the uh on the episode a couple of weeks ago he goes and then stew looking i forget exactly how he worded it but he gave me like a little funny dig he's like stew looking terrible stew stew looking terrible as as usual i think he said well i heard because yeah because about this time when we're doing all those gigs at like the jobs as well and stuff i would have been working and i earned a hundred quid a week it cost me 50 quid in fuel to get to work and back i wasn't spending my spare money on clothing (laughs) simple as that (laughs) that's as simple as it got my mum and dad went to the shop, you know, Asda or wherever, and got like, hey, there's a couple of pair of cheap trousers for you there. Oh, well, then that's fine. Yeah, that's sound all well. <laughs> oh, we, we never gave it down. I mean, no, we never gave it down. We no, never we gave never it, did it. We all. never, even when we got, like, you know, uh, made it in inverted commas, we never gave it. I mean, the point I made about free swag, it's just like, well, yeah, I don't have to use a washing machine. If there's a box, if there's a box full of t shirts, I'm going to put one of them. As long as it doesn't say something offensive on it, do you know what I mean? I'm going to put one of them t shirts on. I don't give a damn who makes it or all like that. Yeah. It's like, yeah, when we, when we did Fuji and we literally came on with the same T-shirt. That oh, was... yeah, Puma. We'd I remember a... that. We just looked at each other and went, oh, fuck. And yeah, then he was like, all right. And then I'm sure <laughs> Tim came up to me and said, um, oh, do you want to wear my jumper? And I looked at his jumper and was like, no, you're all right, mate. So, <laughs> so we're good, we're good. I mean, what a, I mean, you know. Like... His, his jumper wasn't even good enough to... <laughs> 
you know, sort our image out on that stage. <laughs> <laughs> but that was something with us, like Tim, Tim's just a merciless, you know what I mean, in terms of ripping you for all, like anything, anything he can rip you for, Tim, he will do. And he used to love doing that with Stu, you know what I mean? Sort of fashion choices or even down to the bases he was playing. Tim would be like, I can't believe you're playing that bass, Stu. And you're like, what's wrong with it? Leave him alone, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, he said something about one of them, not ha- like how your bass didn't have... A headless bass. Oh, that was famous. The, the headless I think, bass. I think yeah. it's Stu did Top of the Pops with a headless bass. Is that right, Stu? It is, yeah. Tony Perrin's favourite bass, <laughs> like all. Yeah, it's, uh, it's going Yeah, it's going to Tony if, uh, you know, at some point I'll just post it to him and he'll get a nice little package one morning. <laughs> it is... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I don't know why I chose that. Well, I mean, we we never thought about that sort of stuff. Do you know what I mean? It's not like we thought, oh, that'll look weird playing a headless bass. Do you know what I mean? We 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 didn't yeah. think about that sort of stuff. No, at the time, I just uh, you know, it, it, there was no reason for it. I just liked the look of it, mm. and obviously because it had this, it, so, the, the the effect of the wood was so gorgeous. I can't know what wood it is, but then it's got all the laminated bits at the back. I think it was, or, was you know down the neck. It, it was, was absolutely. I watched, it was bird's eye maple, I think. Was it like a bird's eye maple or something like that, or a flame? I, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you. It was incredible. But yeah, like, so you you used Richardson's a few times, and uh, yeah, I've well, we've still got the uh, the purple the, icon. That, oh no, oh, no, the five strings, the icon in it. I've got a purple. Got, I've got a purple Richardson bass here that I didn't even know I had that I found. That's the one I swapped for a music man. So oh sure right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We used to uh, um, one of our techs actually, a bloke called Steve Young. I think he listens to podcasts as well. String Doctor on Twitter actually. Um, now then, mate, if you are listening, but yeah, he knew uh, a luthier. Is that the word? Is that how you pronounce it? Anyway, he knew he knew a chap who built guitars, and so yeah, I had one. Rob had one. In fact, I have got I've got two Richardsons. I think Rob had one. Like an Rob really, still uses things. Yeah, right. like a really nice SG, an SG, yeah, and um, Stu, Stu had that headless bass, yeah, much, much to much to Tim and Tony's dismay. But yeah, Tim, <laughs> Tim, Tim was always merciless taking Mickey out of people. I mean, Tim and Rob, you, you know, if you were to sit on a table with Tim and Rob, like all they do is take Mickey out of each other. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I know you're playing a lot of bass, but every once in a while I see you, you know, with drumsticks in your hand. What's up with that? Um. I- Drums is it's always something I really enjoy playing. Like going back to the music block days, used to be a drum kit down there, and (laughs) Rob used to annoy me so much because I used to literally (laughs) run to the music block and think, "Oh, I'm gonna have a black on the drums here." Run to the music block, sit down, just go boom, boom, and the door would swing open, and Rob would come in with a massive smile on his face. Oh, can I have a go? Can I have a go? Can I have a go? I've been here for literally ten seconds. Just let me play a song, and you can have it. But yeah, I used to, I used to love playing it, playing the drums. You know, I used to love like. Just, just you know, not going. You know, when we're doing gigs and stuff, and sound checks and line checks and stuff, just, just hanging around so I could have a go on the drums. You know, I used to like, absolutely love playing on, on Phil's kit, much to everyone's dismay, really, because we're trying to line check things. And I'm trying to play Queens of Stone Age and stuff. Yeah. But I just, yeah, it's just, yeah, I just love the drums. I've got a little drum kit upstairs as well. I like to play on, and my my two lads love to go up there and play in it as well. So. Well, it's funny because I saw you, this is in the age before a lot of the stuff was on YouTube and all that, but I saw you guys in Florida years back and uh, my buddy Mike and I went, we were huge music fans and I had only heard Bleed, you know, the one on the, on the CD, you know, mm. like I'd never heard the drum solo and I'm just watching this and all of a sudden you drop the bass and just start beating these drums. I was like standing like right in front of you, right up front. And I was sitting there staring at you like, holy cow, he's killing these drums. <laughs> and that was like my first time that I actually noticed that you could also play the drums. So it was pretty cool. Yeah, cool. Yeah, it was, um, that was quite difficult to get to get right live, I think, because if I remember rightly, when we recorded that, I think every one of us was on a drum kit. Yeah. I'm sure of it. So we had to kind of condense that into play, all that into like just playing that live. So it's basically, yeah, mm. to get a snare and a, and, a, and a deep floor, Tom, and just, beat the crap out of it like and then, did you, did you use, is it timpanies you use yeah i think did um they're not quite timpanies but they're a different style i mean i don't know what i'm talking about with drums but yeah i got involved in the drum act as well on bleed from within i mean i used to enjoy trying to snap the sticks because michael could mick quinn <laughs> our guitar tech would always be like you, you won't be able to snap this stick i'd be like oh yeah. yeah we'll see then after kick you just like there's there's your stick in two halves mate <laughs> I was like, I used to um, be, be all rock and roll and literally put my uh, my bass through the skin of the floor, Tom, which I thought was a really big and hard thing to do and clever thing to do. And until Mick Quinn came around and says, you know, you snapped all your machine heads off, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, did he? Yeah, I won't be doing that again. Oh, no. What did you sort of shear them all off on the edge of it or something? I'm guessing so. Yeah, well, I thought it's a drum skin. It'll just go straight, straight through, through and end up knackering a lot of stuff on it. Oh, I suppose there's a lot of tension on them and stuff, but Rob did it, didn't he? Rob did it with an SG. Um... 
were it live at Blank Canvas, one of those? Right, end, uh, end of walls or something. It threw it. I said to him afterwards, I went, why did you do that? And he just went, I've got no idea. But he threw his <laughs> S- he just threw his SG in, in the air and then sort of tried to catch it on his foot, which always wasn't going to end well. And this thing just snapped in <laughs> half. I mean, you know, like Stu says, as rock and roll as you want to be. When you see an instrument like that needlessly damaged afterwards, you're just like, what do you do that for? <laughs> yeah, I'm running out of places to put the uh, the strap locks on now. It's uh, yeah, so I've got to. I need to. I need to look after that guitar now. It's uh, yeah, it's got lots of dents and bangs and scuffs and scrapes on it. I've given it an hard life, and it's not let me down really. Well, that's it. I mean, you know, same with my '72. My '72 sat here. It's and it's funny because I actually saw some. I've seen some pictures, really early pictures of me using this, and it actually did used to have a gold top. You know what I mean? Now it's. I don't know, it looks like someone's been using it as an ashtray for 50 years or something, doesn't mind. <laughs> I am, it's not me. <laughs> you, uh, Stu, you, bro- you actually uh, broke out some of your amps and stuff uh, recently I saw on Twitter, right? It's, yeah, is that is that stuff that you used to tour with or what were those amps? Yeah, no, I've had them for, well, I first started out with Ashdowns, um, which I absolutely loved. But we did a show, um, I think it was at the Apollo in London, and I couldn't quite, I couldn't quite get it to project as much as I wanted to. So I had to go like down another route. And Ampeg, you just cannot go wrong with them. They're mm-hmm. absolutely superbly built and just sound. Again, it's just one of those you can just crank the hell out of them, yeah. and it just will not fade or let you down. So it's like, yeah. So I've had these these amps for oh, for for a lack. I can't remember how many years, but since probably about two thousand and long time. Oh, three probably. Yeah, a long time. Um, but yeah, I thought I best make sure the work because i've been sat in the shed for years you know just this <laughs> under a load of crap to be honest yeah, yeah so i thought i'm gonna have to just pull them out and just make sure they work and i mean i've had them i warmed them up and played them a little bit but i'm, I'm yet to drive them properly but um well i've got yeah the, just, i've got exactly the same problem coming up i mean a lot of my amps have you know been in i mean mine have been in the garage so i'm just hoping that mine actually work but i'll be doing that relatively soon braving the garage and putting a few pictures on twitter of whatever i managed to pull out of there in fact i'll do a live unboxing of my effects pedals and that to see if they're actually just rusting bits of metal which they very well might be <laughs> or if they are still serviceable bits of equipment but yeah man you know we need to, we need to get backline sorted for this gig you know what I mean? We need to start thinking about that sort of stuff. So Stu's done the right thing early because if I go into my stuff and it's all like, you know, corroded, then I'm going to have to do something. <laughs> well, I've just literally bought, because um, I've been obviously been playing the bass quite a bit recently and uh, literally listening to everything, What's, why, why does his bass not sound quite right? Oh yeah, it's because I've had those strings on for nine years. Yeah. yeah. So I literally, yeah. I literally went, I went to order some strings the other day and I thought, well, what strings do I use? I, do, I, I literally couldn't remember. So I thought, oh yeah, the, uh, I think the super, oh no, regular slinkies. Yeah, yeah. So I, I thought, oh yeah, fine, yeah, I'll get some of them. So I've, yeah, I've got some for my four string and my five string. So. I had exactly the that, same that thing. Because yeah. you think as well, you think, well, I need some guitar strings and then you're like, well, I've never bought guitar strings. They always just turn up with tech. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Appear, and then, like I say, when, when I haven't played guitar for 10 years, so I was like, well, what size do I use? And I couldn't even remember. Do you know what I mean? But, um, you know, like I, I think I bought like 10s and I put them on and I was like, oh, God, these are quite thin. <laughs> and then I think I was speaking to Rick. Rick played me guitar and he went, buddy, what strings you got on this? And I was like, 10s or something. Well, what do you use? And he went, 13s or something like that. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, vine strings is. It's funny, and it makes a massive difference to the sound of a guitar, especially on a bass. It'll just sound so dead, I would think. You know, especially you, like you love that brightness. Do you know what I mean? So, new strings are always a must for you. Yeah, I mean, it's like I do like obviously to get in the twang of because I really like the you know the kind of deep bellowy. Obviously, I do, the bass and I have the deep bellowy. Anyway, that's what I kind of love. And then obviously to get that to cut through, I had the growl and the twang, mm. and that also comes from um, obviously just attack with me using my fingers, just attacking the string as hard as I can. Like you know, songs and like you know, like. A, human where you'd bit where it's yeah. just me playing basically just one note but then i just play it a bit harder oh and then play it a bit harder again and then add a bit more growl and that's it just building it up that way mm-hmm. yeah man well who's the bass player from skunk and nancy i'm sure he changes bass strings every night he will he probably will do yeah to get that to get that real bright tone um what, yeah. what is his name i can't remember his name i can't remember it's he's hard. another great bass player but yeah i, just, yeah, I can remember ages ago because like i think i used to buy bassist magazine when i was a kid and I'm sure there was like they were always in the bassist and guitarist magazine, Skunk and Nancy lads. They were, I mean, they were really yeah. te- technically brilliant. Ace, the guitarist, he's a really good guitarist as well. Definitely, man. Yeah. Stu, what was your favorite song to play on the music? Uh, what what bass line was your favorite? To play live. 
e- either live or even you know when you recorded like what are some I, like getaway sounds great on bass i'm just curious what some uh, what songs that you say like oh that's a great bass song um i like too high i think yeah. i've been uh, yeah i really i really like that and i've been trying to uh, i've been trying to play that recently um i've lost a couple of bpms but yeah i've also <laughs> quite, a, quite a few B- i've lost quite a few bpms out of my fingers so i've uh, yeah but um yeah, that's that's a great that's a great tune to play. Um, other ones, um, oh. North man, your baseline on North. Yeah, North. What, what? Yeah, getting the fire shot North and Truth. You know, yeah. they're they're well, always a bit tricky to play as well because I I like because I've got short fat fingers. I like a quite a thin neck, whereas my five string with it being a, yeah. a stingray and a five string, it's really quite thick. So it's a bit of a challenge for me to kind of to play that. So it's quite it's, used, pay, it's painful. It reminds me how you know. I used to love um, playing play North though. Was sort of when I do that intro and then bass comes in on the second half of it. And oh yeah! Like it, you know, like you got to understand with Stu's Ampeg cabs. Do you know what I mean? Which are pretty much like the side of a house. Um, it, I mean, it vibrates the world that thing. So you've got Stu coming out of your monitors, which you don't need really because Stu's coming through every bit of the building. So well, as soon as Stu starts playing, it just vibrates up through your feet. You know what I mean? And that's like it adds a real weight to the enjoyment of a gig. Just oh, feeling yeah. that like that bass sort of underneath you. I remember having a few moments of uh, you just coming up to me and said, "Would you?" turn that bass down all i can hear is you well i mean it's difficult man like some room it was like you know like some rooms no matter what you did when you were stood in front of your amps and especially bass bass isn't sort of as directional as guitars you know i mean bass goes everywhere so i like the bit i knew sometimes the bits you were wanting to hear weren't just going to come by turning it up more if you know what i mean and then like and it would sometimes end up where rob couldn't even pitch do you know what i mean where you've got like that much bass like around you and you and you try and sing and you're like well i can't pitch to the note properly do you know what i mean but i don't know it's, it's always yeah. in the heat of performances of those things in it i mean didn't didn't you didn't you once nearly take rob's head off with a microphone yeah yeah i'm sorry about that rob um, <laughs> yeah that was that was um Literally, I think that was somewhere in Canada, and I was playing. We were playing bleed from within, and I was playing the drums, and I smacked my thumb so hard on the side on the rim that I just I went into a complete meltdown. So I'm in so much pain. I managed to get through the last little bits of this song, and then I just took my guitar off, swung it round, hit the the bass mic, and then that's the last thing I saw of it until I think we went into the dressing room, and uh, Adam went to rob her. It came in absolutely face of thunder. And I went, what was that on your face? Don't matter, don't matter. And I'm guessing I'd, um, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, well, because um, I, I remember yeah. see, I turned around and looked at you and you just, you, you had your you had your bass like a baseball bat. And you just wow. you just swung this thing and it smashed this microphone. And this microphone went, I mean, God knows how fast that microphone was traveling. But that thing flew, man. And like, I don't know if that had caught someone in face. It, and I think it just whisked past Rob's face. <laughs> I think he saw a little bit of his life flash before his eyes with his microphone, yeah, I didn't, microphone projector. I didn't really want, I didn't really want yeah, I, I didn't. Once I'd connected with that, I didn't look where anything had gone. I walked off stage in a right huff. But yeah, it was just I just hit my thumb so I my thumb was like, you know, when it hits some when it bruises and it was on it was grey. It was it was grey and blue. It was awful. Mm. But yeah, I just I got the red mist and stupidly did that. I mean, God knows what the the, the PA picked up when I whacked that. I haven't a clue, but oh, you, it, it, yeah. it just killed it instantly or put you know what I mean, you'll smash the whatever it is inside it. Or or it sounded like, you know, some sort of assault on the building. Don't <laughs> <laughs> yeah, more, more than likely. I mean, you know, those sorts of things happen, though, don't they? Those sorts of things happen, but, you know, I, I mean, you know, it's a really random thing to talk about now, but talk about things flying around on stage. What, do you remember when that, someone threw a jar of jam at me? In that university, that university refectory, you know, someone, like, just threw a jar of jam, a glass jar of jam, and it just, like, it smashed wow. me. It smashed, it smashed me in my voice box, do you know what I mean? Whoa. And I'm, I was stood I there bet, playing. Yeah. I was stood there playing, and this thing hit me in voice box. I just thought, I'm not reacting to that, even though I'm in agony. But do you know what I mean? Is that thing going to smash me in my mouth or something like that? I'd have lost all my teeth. <laughs> Don't mind yeah, I mean, I remember all sorts getting thrown. Just yeah, projectiles just getting thrown. Like you've got to sometimes like just keep your wits. Especially like I remember in in, in Scotland in at the Barrowlands. I remember um, Chris Connor, our old tour manager, coming into the dressing room when just before we were going on, and he said he, he, his face. Like, he's from Glasgow as well, and he came in with a such shock on his face. I'm like, well, what's wrong? And the crowd had basically parted, and they were chucking 
beer at each other. But there, I'm sure they didn't put it in um, plastic glasses. Did they? It was it was actually glass. Okay, if I'm right. I, well, I know that um, sure we had to delay going on stage by something like 20 minutes because they were just having this massive beer fight. Um, beer war. Yeah. It were insane. But then you think as well, you've got to you've got to get on stage and then have that. You know, so you've got, yeah, to, yeah. You've got to keep you've got to keep your wits about you a little bit. I mean, I'm, me and Adam play quite similar where we look down quite a bit. You know what I mean? So it's yeah. If you get if you get hit by something, it doesn't have to take you by surprise. Yeah. What was your craziest experience uh, touring, whether it's funny or bad? I'm going to have to think about that one. Uh, yeah, one, one was like, uh, we, we played, I think it must have been our first, our first tour into the north. So we went up to Scotland and played Edinburgh. And I can't remember what the venue was. It was a tiny little venue and we yeah. were playing. And I can remember just having my head down, playing the bait, just playing away. And then just the drums not being played anymore. <laughs> and like a big kind of crash bang wallop and then nothing. And I turned around and there's this guy that had just come from nowhere and jumps straight onto Phil's kit. And then Graham comes out. <laughs> Graham. Graham comes absolutely steaming on and grabs him off. And this guy kind of like turns around and goes, oh, it's all right. It's all right. I'm from Yorkshire. It's all right. And it's like, well, he, oh, well, oh, that's absolutely fine. Then you've disrupted his gig. Oh, you're from Yorkshire. Oh, that's, that's absolutely fine. Oh, God. But yeah, I don't, know what, I don't know what gave him the kind of compulsion to do that. But... Well, it's just, I mean, it's, it's just, Fans getting overexcited, that's all. But like, yeah, you, exactly like exactly like you say, Stu, I mean, when you expect the drums to be bashing and they stop, you're like, oh, well, something's happened. So like Something Stu says, happened, it, with that? we just turn, because as well, you have to understand, like Stu says, you got your head down, and especially if you've got smoke and lights, which we did, I remember on them first tours, even the little ones, yeah. we made an effort to have like smoke machines and lights. So someone sort of getting up on the stage and coming past you, you might not really notice as, as, as sort of, as obviously as you feel that you would do, if you know what I mean. So suddenly drum yeah, stop. you're in the zone, right? Yeah, yeah, drum stop, and you turn around, and there's this, this huge mass on top of Phil. Do you know what I mean? You're like, what, what has happened? Oh, it's a bloke. How's he got there? I mean, I, I, God knows how he didn't skewer himself on the hi-hat stand and all those sorts of things. But oh. this bloke were huge, but I remember looking at Phil, who just sort of looked at this bloke, really surprised, and then just... He was literally sat on his lap, Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, and then he just shoved him off onto the floor. <laughs> Well, at least he was from Yorkshire. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So uh, I was doing some scouring on the internet, and I heard, Stu, that you're actually, uh, you've been working with another singer. Uh, and I don't know if you guys are starting your new band or whatever, but I have a clip I want you to hear. Tell me a little bit about this. So, yeah, number one, why didn't you sing the airplane song? And uh... Well, I can answer that one straight away. I don't know what the airplane song is. <laughs> I think it's because I've got a little model airplane in that room at the time, and I think it was just the first thing it kind of clocked. So, yes. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know if it was some Chili Peppers reference or something like that. I think, you know, it's picked up. Well, the loads, of people, loads of people were saying that, but, yeah, it's literally got nothing to do with the Chili Peppers. Oh, it was cute. It was cute with that, though. Yeah, that was your son, I guess. And uh, the best part to me, I was like, he, he, you're playing Getaway, and he's like harmonizing with you in his yum, yum, yum. <laughs> he's like, he literally sounded good on that song. I was it like, did. It was in that's tune. That's actually pretty good. He's, yeah, he, he absolutely. That, yeah, that's my oldest row, and he absolutely loves singing. And again, like the drum kit's in his room. He loves bashing around on the drum kit. And yeah, I think he's... He loves singing to like he loves singing Dance Monkey, you know. He absolutely loves it. So he just he's he always you know whenever we're downstairs and stuff, he's always I'll put YouTube on, put so and so song on, I'll put so and so on. He's um yeah he's he's picking up on certain musical aspects, you know. I think same with my uh, my youngest as well, Evan. He's he loves he just dances to anything and squ squeals and you know squeaks all the time. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> like Rob Harvey. Sounds a bit like Rob Harvey. That <laughs> <laughs> it's a future Rob, absolutely. Um, yeah, so yeah, I think yeah, I'm hoping something musical will you know rub off on them eventually. Yeah, that's awesome. How's family life treating you now? Yeah, it's good. It's obviously it's with COVID and stuff. It's a bit tough because we can't go and do the things that we want to do. But yeah, no, it's oh, good. Yeah. The growing, you know, um, Rowan's three, Evans two, so it's quite carnage as you can probably imagine. <laughs> mm. um, yeah, no, everything's good. We're all we're all well and healthy, so that's that's the main thing really. Yeah, man. I like it. I like it. Yeah, I saw that clip and I was just cracking up because my my girls are a little older, but yeah, it took me back, man. I was like, oh yeah, how great! You're just like jamming, and the kids like, yeah, let's play play the airplane song. <laughs> play the airplane song. <laughs> uh, I love that. 
Yeah, no, I really like that as well. I was thinking, what's going on? Oh, oh, I see. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> watching that riff video brilliant man loved it I'm hoping as well he can come to the show obviously but he's, I don't know if he'll be asleep by then you know I, just, I really want him to see it but obviously he's, he's just he's, he's a little whippersnapper at the minute so it'll just we'll just have to play that by ear but I, I just don't want him running around being a lunatic when we're trying yeah. to play a really big really big show that we you know we have played for years well, so yeah what, we'll, you know, we'll have to see that's what mummy's there for mummy can control him when you're working it's fine <laughs> hopefully so hopefully <laughs> yeah so was that you practicing for Temple Newsom? Have you, and, and on that note have you been doing a lot of practicing for Temple Newsom? Yeah, I've been doing bits and bobs here and there, but it's like it's just getting time to do it with with work and family. You know, it's just even like now when I've got free time, it's like I can't really plug in a bass and shake the house down. But um, yeah, I try and do a few bits when I can. I've been on it, like I said, when I've been playing with bass recently and realised the strings are just completely dead. I just played up in I, me and Roll went upstairs and just bought a couple of tunes on and started playing, and then he gets bored, walks off, and I kind of do a few more. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, so I'm just getting back into it slowly. But yeah, I need to start really kind of having it just to get the BPM back again. Yeah, but, um, Apart from that, no, it's, it's, all, it's all still there, I think. I think it's going to, it's going to be the same for all of us, really. Um, you know, we remember the fundamentals and that. The real one is like what we call match fitness, especially for Phil, you know, because Phil, you know, arguably has got to do most physical work, really. But it's one thing and just sort of sitting there and playing one song and thinking, yeah, I'm fine. Do you know what I mean? But actually playing 14, 15, 16 back to back. Do you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. It's like it, it, your, your forearm muscles, like your fingers, your hands. Do you know what I mean? Everything just gets ridiculously tired, and that's mm-hmm. that's what a lot of what rehearsing will be about. And remembering, I don't know, you know, because it is what is it? Is it technically nine years? Or is it? Well, it, be t- it will be technically ten now, probably. But either way, yeah. Since we played, you know, you you forget, like. Well, it, it was funny, wasn't it, when we had that rehearsal and there's certain points everyone just looked up at each other with wide eyes as if to say, does anyone have a clue what happens next? And can you <laughs> can, can you in any way transfer that information into my brain? Do you know what I mean? That, th- those looks were flying around. Yeah, definitely. There's a few points where I got to a, you know, a point in the song and thought, Right, I know the I know the opening note, but then I know nothing after that, and it's, uh, you know, but it's, yeah, it's just remembering. It. That's the you know reason I'm kind of picking up now, just just to get the little things. Like I think mean, I remember thinking, oh, walls get smaller. Oh, how, how does that go? You know, I just <laughs> completely forgot what what the tune even does. You know, so that's it's so just cool. yeah. But as soon as you hear it for the you know you hear it once, it's kind of everything comes flo- flooding back really. So yeah, I mean, it's uh, yeah, most, I have that now, even like with some tunes. Do you know what I mean? Like that, some of our tunes that I haven't listened to for a long time, and you you. You remember it a certain way and then you play it back and you're like, oh God, I've been playing it really fast or I've been playing it really slow or, you know. I mean, someone did it to me. I put Truth out as a riff video and someone said, well, well, that's not what's on the record. And I was like, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, I was like, what are you on about? Do you know what I mean? You're telling me how I wrote my own tune. And then like, I listened back to it and I was like, oh God, he's right. For God's sake. Do you know what I mean? It's like, that's just an example of like, I, we did, well, I did that a lot anyway. You know, you do some stuff in a, on a record in like a studio environment. And I don't know, it wasn't always appropriate for whatever reason to take that into like a, uh, you know, like a gig environment with stuff like long, you know, like that solo in Long Road and stuff like that. Oh man, yeah. you did you did that on disco. So disco is a little bit more stretched out on the regular album, like where, you know, the bass goes and then the parts that you play, but you always, uh, the little riffs that you do, when you play them live, you condense some of those riffs. It's mm-hmm. like a little shorter than what the, and when I listen to it every time, there's like this OCD part of me that's like, no, 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 not yet. You're not supposed to play that part yet. <laughs> <laughs> those little little bits of phrasing, but I mean, you just yeah. forget that's You forget that stuff over the years, you know what I mean? And I find it really interesting, you know, when people say, well, you actually did, did that differently. And then you go back and look and you're like, I wonder when that changed. Because uh, there must have been a point I thought, I'm just going to do it this way rather than doing it that way. It sounds more interesting to me. But obviously, those those moments, you know, you, they don't really last long in your memory. They just you make That's the funny. you make the decisions and you move on, and you never you never know any different until someone comes up to you going, "You don't know how to play your own tune." I think it gets lost in just playing hundreds of so- hundreds of shows, doesn't it? It's like you know, I loads of bits that I've been I've been listening to obviously on the records and stuff. I've been like, "Oh, I've not, I haven't played that before." Oh, I can't remember, you know, I couldn't remember playing that. I've either really simplified it or they're overcomplicated it into completely different random bits and just yeah. no, don't know where it's actually come from. It's just because you've been playing them so long, it just like gets lost in the ether and then it's like, "Oh yeah, where's that come from?" Yeah, man, that that's the philosophy of writing songs in general, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Like um, like cessation. Do you know what I mean? Like the change in cessation. You know, most people who listen to that and just think how did you get from that to to that madness you know what i mean but that's just another thing to just thought you know just proper natural with those 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 moments brilliant the change is the best part of that song the whole song is great but the fact that it changes out of nowhere like that is yeah. so great yeah, <laughs> and yeah. phil just loses his mind yeah, yeah and that vocal that Rob does yeah 
I'd love to play that live, but yeah, Phil's uh, he's he's really not going to be happy if we play, if we want to play that. Is he? That's a that is a stretch for Phil. Is that that's that's a hardcore tune to play? Is that one? Well, it's difficult in it because Phil's insane boat as us. You know, I haven't played, I haven't really played for ten years, and you know, and there's one thing stepping into playing stuff like you know, Freedom Fighters and tunes, even Long Road tunes like that, but playing something like Cessation where it's like a million BPM because you know we we. We wrote them tunes when we were younger, fitter people. But I mean, even then, we had a habit of doing that, man. We used to, we we had a habit of writing stuff we couldn't play. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> let, let love be the healer. That drum beat is so fast. Do you know what I mean? Like Phil, Phil used to struggle a bit with that love be the healer. It's like one of them things where you get it right, it just sounds so good. But you know yeah. that that's a story for another time. But yeah, because the, there is a story around that song actually. But yeah, we we, we often wrote stuff that were you know it's like well I can't actually play that bit even though I've written it. <laughs> Any song that you're looking in terms of set list, anything that you're either looking forward to or dreading for Temple Newsom? Um, not not really dreading any because it'd be it's going to be a complete joy to play anything in general. Yeah, it's just yeah. play anything in general. You know, I mean, I've, one one that I absolutely love playing live is Jack Tune. I think that's brilliant. I just love that oh, the yeah. swagger and just the feel yeah. of it. I I love that. Yeah, well, that's the right um, word, swagger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just I I just love playing them all. They've all got their own little individual personality. You know, whether you listen to them or play them, so it's like it's. Yeah, you know, like I said, too high. Um, humans are really cool. Want to play? Um, oh, the dance when you keep, you know, whenever. Yeah, it, yeah. It, yeah it's, there's just so many. You know, it's just for so many different reasons. I think Stu, Stu's always it. Stu's been the one over the years as well. Where you know, when we've turned around and talked about set lists, Stu's like, "What about this? And what about that? And what about that one?" And every time, one of us will go. Sure, you know, like I'll be like, oh, I'm not sure about that. And then, all right, what about this one? And then Rob will be like, oh, I'm not sure about that. And then all right, what about this one? Then Phil like, no, I'm not playing that. And you're like, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of why I just like to keep my mouth shut. I just kind of sit back and then I'll say something. I'll just agree with it. I'll disagree with it. So well, that's, no, well, that's, it, that's my role. I mean, when there's three people who take a bit longer to make decisions, you might as well think, right, i tell you what, rather than say no, I'll let them three sort out what they think. And then I'll have, you know, then I'll go, right, okay, this is what I think. You know what I mean? Rather than getting lost in there, everyone, you yeah. know, saying this or saying that or whatever. I mean, yeah. like, you know, I'm not, I'm not a good communicator at the best of times anyway. So like, you know, I do it through my bass, you know, or just by just listening and then just then put giving my input. That's kind of what I, I prefer to do. Yeah, man. You know, I mean, you know, too many cooks and that, do you know what I mean? It, it, it was always your dynamic in terms of that was always like just part of what we were. Do you know what I mean? Like we all had like different roles. We all and like that's what made us such a great unit. And especially like on a, you know, like in a banter sense as well, definitely. Do you know what I mean? Like. All that, you know, like you brought, especially like on tour, sort of for me, you brought the familiarity of home to a degree, really. Because, I mean, like, there'd be times where me and you would just, I mean, you know, to be fair, Stu, there'd be times where me and you would be in back lounge and I'd be like, Stu, have we just watched three James Bond films back to back? Do you know what I mean? And you're just like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm putting a fourth on now as well. And you're like, fine, fine, we're not on stage for another two hours, put another one on, I don't care, do you know? <laughs> Yeah, no. But it's like we used to like. I think I think Rob and Phil flew from like the. Pro I'm sure it was like from Florida to Vancouver. It was. was it and me Seattle? and you thought. Is what sorry. Well, I think it was Seattle, wasn't it? Where um, I can't remember, but either way, there was they did a long flight, and like you say, me and you went on the bus, didn't we? Yeah, it was a, it was a long trek on it. I think we were on the bus for like two or three days, just yeah. sat in the back lounge, smoking Children in Need and watching films. You know, what I mean? so like, <laughs> Children. You know. That was our kind of like, yeah, that was from out at home, just kind of sitting and, yeah, just, just wasting time, really, you know. That's brilliant. That's awesome. I mean, um, do you, I don't know if you remember this, do you remember when the trailer came through the the window of the back lounge on that oh God, trip? Oh, yeah, mate, that was... That were me and you in the back lounge again. Was that on the, was that that journey? Yeah, well, Mick Quinn not that. Me, you, and Mick Quinn stayed on that bus, and I think we and were we're all in back lounge, and we were going through the Rockies, and it was terrible, terrible snow, and we were all in back lounge, and he'd missed a turning, hadn't he? The driver, and we were like, yeah, oh, we've stopped and we're reversing for whatever reason. It's fair enough, and like you say, sat there with parsley or children, in <laughs> or whatever. You know what I mean? Not best time for an entire trailer, the corner of which to come through the side of the bus. Do you know what I mean? It came oh, through, yeah. came through the window. We were, we all went wide. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh my god, what is going on? It's that squatch or something. It was, it was, it was so bizarre. It's like, what is he? Just what for you? What, what is he doing? Reversing up an off ramp? Yeah. In God knows, yeah, I'm, yeah, in stupidly dangerous conditions. And yeah, we were just sat there watching, and they used to hear this crunch, crunch, crack. The window just kind of shoved itself in. Like, what the hell was that? 
so then the bus didn't move, so we got off, and yeah, the, the trailer just literally swung around and just come back on wow. itself and smashed all the side at bussing. I mean, we had all sorts of them incidents in America, didn't we? Do you know what I mean? Like um, all the pistons. We went through so many buses. Yeah, they, oh, we did. And that's it, man. It's like, come on, if you pay a decent bus company, they will give you a bus that isn't 60 years old. Do you know what I mean? But because we like to cut corners or whatever, you get some bus and you're like, oh my God, this thing was used in the war. Do you know what I mean? And we, had, <laughs> we had some rights. We did. We had one. And we, we pulled over at the side of this really busy freeway and, the, you know, the driver was like, so we've got a problem here. And like, all right, what's up? And he's like, well, you know, all the pistons in the engine, yeah, they're now on the outside of the engine. The pistons have rammed themselves through the engine block. And you're like, so we're not going anywhere, no? <laughs> and all that, you know, you're not going anywhere, no, not for a very long time. <laughs> yeah, we had to, what's it, we, we, we used to call it, was it cabin fever as well. That was a dangerous bus, that, oh, that was that with was the side With thing. the sideways beds? With the side, they were like, they were full cabins and the beds were sideways. They so were? if you had to break really hard, everyone would roll out of bed and smack the wall. That's right. Wow. But yeah, man, because that's, that's, that's something you have to think about when you're on a tour bus. You always travel with your feet facing forward. Do you know what I mean? So that if there's any heavy braking, it's your ankles that are going to get broken, not your neck. Do you know what I mean? If you're sleeping with your head the other way and the bus has to really slam on and, you know, you're in your bunk and you you can, you know, go into the bulkhead or whatever and, you know, do some serious damage. But, yeah, like Stu says, cabin fever, that bus. I mean, Jen, didn't Arjun Eyes come on that bus? Well, Jenny will know that bus, won't she? Possibly. We actually had it twice. We had it for we one did. tour or one short tour. And we're like, we don't want that bus again. And then we came back for another tour, oh and it was God. the same bus. Oh and like, we didn't know to take that bus back. And they, they did thankfully swap it for us. But yeah, that was a bit of a worrying moment. That that bloody bus. Was that with Father? Just... Was that with Father Finest? Father Finest. That's I right. The drive. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that, I mean, God, that was one of the best things about touring in America. I mean, you know, I mean, it's true of drivers all over the world, really. But I mean, we had some characters, man. You know, we had some characters. I just remember once getting up really early in the morning, God knows, and we were pulled up somewhere and there were Chris Connor and the Father Finest screaming at each other in the front, like, like you know, <laughs> literally nearly knocking smoke out of each other. And I was just like, oh, I'm just going to go to the toilet and get back in my bunk. Can't be asked with this. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But all sorts <laughs> of stuff went off in, like, in America on them tours, man, definitely. When you guys were touring America and you were on a big bus, after the show, did you, did you guys ever, were you guys just always on the bus or did you guys have local transportation to go tool around? Bus. Um, yeah, mainly the bus. Yeah, we absolutely, we absolutely love those buses. When you get the Prevos as well, the Prevos were really nice. Yeah, the good nice ones. Nice and kitted out, nice and big, nice and comfortable. We never really, we never quite got the um, the extenders, did we? Mm. I think the first time I saw one of those when Incubus had it. Yeah. Um, they had this, oh, they, I think they had one or two, but they had these really nice Prevos that extended sideways. And that, yeah, they were great. But yeah, we always used to just, yeah, chill out on the buses. I think we only, we, we only really did a little bit of driving around in smaller vans when it was like going from, um, I think, San Francisco to like LA or something like that. Yeah, so yeah. nothing nothing major, like one big journey, but nothing major. But we were mainly on like, yeah, old, old school knackered buses and then up to the Prevos, which is really nice. I mean, especially like, me and Stu, probably Phil as well. I mean, it changed a bit for Rob, but I mean, we, we never really had any desire to go anywhere. I'm not being funny at that age. It's not like we were really cultured and wanted to see all these cities we were in, is it? You know, we were just like yeah. on the bus. We're either in the gig having some food somewhere, somewhere else, or you'll find us on the bus. Do you know what I mean? That is that's that's sort mm. of where we lived. Do you know what I mean? Some people will be like, oh, it sounds like hell, sort of just on a bus all day. It's heaven to me, is that, you know? Yeah. Just somewhere where you're comfortable, somewhere where you can literally do, you know, whatever you want, well, within reason, but you know what I mean? Somewhere you can just be yourself all day, you know, and then just go do the gig, come off stage, and then I suppose a lot of people will be like, well, you off out into town, some clubs and that. You're like, no, no, I'm going to go sit on bus. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> if you want to come and join me on the bus, that's fine, and we'll have a little bit of a gathering, but no, I'm not. Otherwise, you end up like, do you remember when we were in Dublin? Didn't we go in Dublin? Didn't we go to like... Uh, Bono's bar or something and Rob bought that cigar for like 150 quid or something like that and then lit it and took one drag of it and we're like oh that's disgusting stubbed it out <laughs> <laughs> otherwise you, you end up doing stuff like that otherwise yeah do you know what I don't think I went I think I stayed on the bus oh yeah you might. I mean I, 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 I did my fair share of that no sorry I mean that, that's one of you know I do regret not seeing a little bit more and see, you know, get a bit more culture with certain places and stuff and just, just seeing I mean we've seen God we've seen plenty of stuff and enjoyed a lot of yeah. things yeah, I just wish I'd not wasted, even at home, wasted so much time just kind of doing no really. But but I suppose when you're on tour, it's like you're all, you, you, you're traveling a lot, mm. then you sat down a lot, then you're mm. giving everything on stage, yeah. and then you're such adrenaline buzz, you want a beer to kind of calm yourself down, and then you're too 
pissed to go anywhere and then yeah, you get into yeah. your, you know get onto the bunk and you're done and then repeat next day yeah man yeah. i mean i mean it's difficult i mean Stu, you know he's right to a degree I th- I, you know if we were in new york and stuff like that you know we'd be out wouldn't we in sort of la yeah. we'd, we'd be out and about but I don't think it's really fair to do that to you. I did that to myself for a long time. I was like, oh, you know, I wish I'd have made the effort to do a few more things. But like you say, you get into a routine, you get into a touring routine, especially when you were doing, we were doing them long haul tours in America where you were out there for three, yeah. three four weeks, coming back for a week and then going back out for another sort of eight weeks. Those sort of, re- you know, you, and we'll t- you can come back on obviously anytime and we'll talk more about these sorts of things like Kasabian talk, Vines talk, man. There'll be all sorts of funny stuff to talk about on Vines talk. Yeah, no. That's where that that's where a lot of the gold of our relationship is really sort of in those in those tours. And I mean, while while there are elements to it that are stressful, at the same time, when you're part of a gang like that and you're you know, you all feel that cohesive and united. Do you know what I mean? You're in that little impenetrable bubble. It's just a perfect little world, man. And I don't know, I were never really one for wanting to dash off from it too far. Do you know what I mean? I always yeah. want to be sort of local and see what we got. I used to love that sort of you know, you do gig or whatever, sit around, maybe go a bit parsley on bus, and then you're like, right, go see what's happening now. And, you know, we, and we were all so, so good friends with crew and that. You're like, well, hurry up and finish loading out then. Do you know what I mean? Want to go have a drink? What are you doing? Do you know what I mean? Asling all, <laughs> yeah, Asling all road crew. But, yeah, it's, it's, such a, it's such a fun existence when you're in it and you've got the right relationships. Nice. Well, Stu, uh, I know we're getting, we're just over the hour here, but um, this has been awesome. And uh, I want to definitely say, as someone who's been listening to you guys from the very beginning, uh, you guys are great. Thank you so much for all the all the awesome music that you've created over the years. It's It's been, a, it's definitely been one of my staples throughout the years is uh, listening to stuff that you guys create. So thank you very much. No, thank you so much. You know, it's, um, it's nice to know that it's our stuff still being listened to and appreciated, you know, and uh, it's nice that, you know, we've actually done done something you know with my life you know what i mean that's well, it's yeah. worthwhile you know yeah, yeah. it's it's Left really humbling and you know it's, it's it's fantastic so yeah no thank you a pleasure to meet you as well you know it's uh and we'll see you at temple news some I, I would have thought oh, yeah. as well yeah, yeah oh yeah excellent it always makes me laugh when adam says that because like he'll be like oh i didn't know people still listen i'm like think of any group that you liked and do you still listen to them yeah i mean you like Nirvana, that's a good really good anymore. point in it i mean good music doesn't just disappear does it you yeah, know what i mean exactly it's still great yeah, so. and it still gets played in ro- you know heavy rotation so you know yeah, that's true. Temple Newsome, and I definitely can't wait. Hopefully, I'll uh, sneak my way backstage and. Uh, of course, don't be daft. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, I'm yeah. sure you'll have your own little VIP pass. You know, yeah. we'll sort you out. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, 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 indeed. But yeah, it's been it's been lovely to have Stu on. I've really enjoyed it. I know. I think you were a little bit nervous, as everyone wore at first, as I wore at first. But I've really enjoyed this. I think it's been really cool. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, sort sort of stuff we've been talking about, sort of memories we've been remembering. I really enjoyed you having you on, and. You know, I hope you're I hope you're up for coming on in the future to talk about all that stuff that we're talking about, like Vines tour and stuff, all sorts of stuff to talk about there, man. Yeah, no, absolutely, mate. Yeah, I've enjoyed it. It's uh, it's been a little glance into the past of how we used to do you know interviews and stuff, and just mm. yeah, but it's been really cool just to yeah reminisce and just do it in a nice chilled out kind of environment. And yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. No, anytime, man. Anytime, like I say. So yeah, as Pete says, we have been going for a bit now. So you know, just to make it not too long, we'll leave it there. But as I've already said, I say it again. Thank you very much for Stu for coming on. Although it sounds weird that because you know Stu's you know Stu's part of the core of this really. So it's you know. It's not like he's coming on something that's not to do with him. This is very much to do with his history as it is mine and Rob's and Phil's and, you know, and Tim's and stuff. So, um, yeah, I hope everyone's still enjoying, you know, this journey that we're on, just listening and stuff and listening to these sorts of stories and, you know, obviously building up to Temple News and... I think, you know, it'd be nice to sort of build the excitement, having more people on. And I'm just enjoying it, man. I really look forward to Thursday nights now. I'm recording these and just having a chat. You know, especially like someone like Stu, who I haven't talked to properly for a long time. So, yes, uh, that's a long enough outro anyway. So, you say bye. I'll give Pete the opportunity to say bye. Say bye, Pete. Bye, Pete. <laughs> All right, nice one. <laughs> That'll do. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening and uh, speak to you soon. Bye.